Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now this week, you'll no doubt be delighted to know, we're doing another issue of The Flash. We are doing issue 179, which was published on the very significant date of the 5th of March, 1968. Why is that date significant? Well... I probably shouldn't tell you, actually, for security reasons, but you can think on. But before we do issue 179, we should quickly mention that issue 178 of The Flash was an 80-page giant that reprinted, amongst a couple of other stories, it reprinted issue 129, which was the second Flash and Jay team-up, co-starring Captain Cold. So if you want to go back and listen to that story, feel free. We're not going to stop you, are we, Peter? Nope, absolutely. Although, perhaps finish listening to this one first. Yes, we actively encourage you, in fact, to go back and listen to our episode where we covered issue 129. Was it Double Danger Enough? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Yes. First Rogue team up as well. Of course, yes. I remember you saying that at the time. Marvellous. Mm. Right, so, without beating about the bush any further, Flash 179. Pete, do you want to tell everyone about the cover? The cover has got a dark green background and the Flash logo at the top, as usual, with the heading... Fact or fiction under it. Gosh. And on the left-hand side of the cover, we have the image against black of the Flash being crushed. It actually looks like it's been physically crushed at the waist, horribly, by a multicoloured monstrosity monster. Yes, it's very painful. With a nice Andrew and Esposito signature in the corner. <laughs> and then on the right-hand side of the cover, it's almost as if we've pulled out and we see that that's actually the cover to an issue of the Flash. Mm. That a blonde boy is reading, and he looks shocked, Mm. shocked at what's in it. And at the bottom, the question, fact or fiction, is answered with the statement, you be the judge. Excellent. Yes. It's an interesting looking monster. It's kind of hard to describe. It reminds me of a sort of cross between the mandrels from the Doctor Who story, The Nightmare of Eden, and the Mm -hmm. the crags from the the unfinished story, Shadow. Oh, yeah. Uh Mm -hmm. It has that late 70s Doctor Who monster thing of big hands and a big head and spindly legs and a big broad torso bit like a Muppet yep. in some ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of mess of purple and yellow and green and pink, and it's very, very interesting. And frankly, mm-hmm. in our preparation for this issue, it made my eyes hurt. So make it that <laughs> what you will. So should we jump straight in? Yes. Very different splash panel. Yes, it's not so, not so much a panel at all. It's a, a sequence of panels. PC's going to walk us through it. Pretty much. At the top, we've got some tribute Carmine hands, because obviously mm. it's Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito drawing this, but they've done the hands coming out of the text boxes. And the first hand is pointing to a sign that says, Warning! Do not read this story until you test your Flash IQ. And then there's a box with a hand pointing at you, the reader, mm. which says, Answer the following statements, true or false. The first one says, Flash has the ability to run at super speed. And it's a nice illustration of the Flash running along at super speed. Is that true or false, David? I, I think that's true, Peter. True, okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on to question two. Molecular control of his body enables Flash to vibrate through solid objects. And we see a panel showing the Flash vibrating through a brick wall with a dazzling cityscape in the background. And the little box asks us... True or false? Well, it's true. We've seen him do it many times on the podcast. Yes, indeed. In his civilian identity, he is Barry Allen, police scientist. There's a great shot of Barry being a police scientist. He's pouring a chemical from a test tube into another test tube, 
cloud of steam coming off it and we can see some advanced scientific equipment surrounding them. <laughs> Bit of a Frankenstein's laboratory look to it. Yeah. And again, there is another little box that says... True or false? Well, we know that's true. We know it's Barry Allen. That's yes. true. Okay, so far so good. Yes. Mm, mm. Next. His wife Iris knows his secret flash identity. Yes, it's a nice panel of the Allens at home. Iris sitting, pondering, finger up to her face, tapping her chin, as we see Barry... Pulling on his flash mask, his flash... I don't, I don't want to say helmet, because don't a helmet, that's Jake. Cowl. His cowl, yes, I suppose. It's weird, because we're so used to him firing it from his ring and then putting it on, so it's weird to see him mm-hmm. doing it slowly, because you can see the, his <laughs> cufflinks of the shirt that he's wearing. So anyway, it's Iris and Barry, and she's obviously not surprised what's going on. And there's a little box that says... True or false? Let me think that's true. That's true now, yep. The final one in this little sequence then says... Flash is strictly a fictional character dreamed up for this comic magazine. And this final little panel shows a very shocked-looking Barry Allen Flash, and he's holding up a copy of issue 172 of The Flash, which is a famous cover of Grodd holding up The Flash's outfit. And Barry's reacting. He looks very, very surprised. And then there's a little box that says... True or false? Hmm... What could that possibly be? Interesting. Well, Where are they going with that, I wonder? So, there's a final little caption box for this page that says... Now, get on with the story and check your answers. One of which will give you the most shocking surprise of your life. Wow. Hype. A lot to live up to there. Let's see how we get on. So, top page two, a large caption box that says... The, the Flash. Fact, Fact or, or Fiction. fiction part, part one. one. And there's a credit box that says, Story by Carrie Bates, art by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito. And of course, this is Carrie Bates' first story for The Flash. And we'll talk more about that later on. That's very significant, obviously, because Carrie Bates has a lot to do with the development of things for Barry. And we will be doing several other Carrie Bates stories as we go on. So the caption for the opening panel of the story says, An uneventful day at the laboratory is about to come to a close for police scientist Barry Allen when... We see Barry at work, in front of some shelves of chemicals, which have been dislodged by the looks of things. We don't want, don't want any accidents to happen, Barry. Not again. Hopefully the weather's not too unclement. And there's a large whirring sort of sound that you can hear. Barry thinks, What's that horrible noise? Sounds like it's shaking the whole building. It could be the new Ed Sheeran album, which is out today, apparently. Horrible noise, yes. <laughs> mm. Anyway, other pop stars are available. So the second panel... Barry's opened the door to the laboratory and it's almost like he's being sucked out because we can see like bits of paper flying around some of his other fellow police officers flying around and there's a whirling multicoloured shape forming out of a little whirlwind. We can see arms taking form and a head starting to appear. Basically, we can see the creature from the cover. Barry's trying to hold on to the doorframe of his lab and he's thinking, A whirling mass of colours like a psychedelic nightmare come to life. Whipping up blasts of air, turning this place into a disaster area. And we're led into the next panel with a caption that says, Moments later, after being forcibly flung back into his lab. And we see Barry operating his hidden costume ring, and he thinks, It's a cinch Barry Allen can't do anything about this, but maybe the Flash can. And in costume for the final panel, the Flash rushes forward towards the big monster, swirling, coloured whirlwind, and he thinks, The wind gusts are being directed at me now but I'm making some headway against them, thanks to my super speed. So now at the top of page three, in the caption of the first panel says, And as Flash fist smashes into the creature... This is really interesting, actually, just to cut in, because I think we get a real sort of sense that this creature is constantly changing colours. Mm-hmm. Because in the previous panel, its head and arms were sort of yellow, but in this one, the head's yellow, but its, its arms and its body are sort of red. So yes, the Flash has attempted to fist smash the creature, but he seems to have rebound off it. 
and he thinks, Ah, scratch that tactic. No single blow is ever going to deflate that bag of wind. And the next panel, Flash is playing an old trick. He's rushing around the creature at high speed, circling it, striking it many, many times, and as he does this, he's thinking, My super-fast barrage of blows seems to be having some effect. The blast is changing colour, pulsating. It must be heating up. I can feel it. The blast? Is that what we're naming this baddie? That's very interesting. Okay, so the caption for panel three says, Unexpectedly, a searing bolt of energy erupts from the creature's head, makes an abrupt turn, and... Gosh, yes, this is a very dynamic panel. There's a massive crack sound effect. Barry thinks what's happening. He very helpfully tells us. Oof, send me flying through the lobby and clear through the wall of the police station. Yeah, we see bricks flying and the creature inside his body hurtles through the wall. He's obviously tried to vibrate to slow down the minimise the disruption that he's going to experience. So the caption for the next panel. Instance later, several hundred yards away. We see Barry rubbing his head, sitting in a <laughs> amongst a couple of dustbins. There's a nice um, rusty old can lying around in front of him. He has his hand to his head and he's thinking... Whew. That was a rugged trip. I was vibrating so fast I must have passed clear through the buildings on this block. That's very interesting. He talks about a rugged trip after talking about psychedelics on the previous page. Has the permissive society <laughs> reached DC Comics? That filthy hippie Caddy Bates is <laughs> bringing his own agenda. Terrible. <laughs> okay then, so the caption for the final panel on page three says... When the Crimson Comet dashes back to the scene... Yeah, back to the police station. We see several police officers picking up, trying to tidy up. As the flash runs in, one of the officers says, I can't understand it, Flash. Right after that thing blasted you out of here, it disappeared as mysteriously as it came. Flash replies, Whatever it was, it did more damage here than a hurricane, which leaves us nowhere, knowing nothing about that thing. Over the page, top of page four, and the nice scene-setting caption says, That night, in the Allen home... <laughs> this is great. Barry's sat, looking very impatient, in a high-back chair at a table. Iris is coming through with the dinner. Iris is saying, Barry, darling, I'll have you know I spent my day off from the office cooking this specialty. After what I went through today, I've got just the appetite for something special. In the next panel, this is some great comedy business. Iris is holding the sort of dish in front of Barry, and his eyes are wide. <laughs> and he's sniffing at the steam that's coming from the dish, and he's saying, What an unusual aroma. And Iris replies, Wait till you taste it. So, she set the dish down on the table, the next panel, and she continues to say, It's out of this world. And then, we're interrupted by another massive whirr sound effect like we had previously at the police station. And the dish opens up, and the big whirling coloured blast pops out again. Iris falls back, exclaiming, Eek! What is that? Barry says, That nightmare creature, again! And then he thinks, Better get Iris out of here before it regains full size and goes off on a rampage. How did it end up in the dinner? Good grief. Okay, so we're at the top of page five now. Caption for the first panel. Unmercifully, the deafening roar of the unrelenting wind blasts fill the entire room. There's an unusual layout to page five. Horror sound effect carries along the top and down the left-hand side. It's a big long stretch panel that shows some of the fixtures and fittings of the Allen abode being hurled around by the creature. You see a... A lamp and what looks like a cigarette box. It does? How unusual. The creature is showing some blue and purple as well as the yellow. And Barry and Iris react to all this with Barry saying, Hold on, Iris. We're getting out of here. Fine. But wouldn't it be safer to carry me at super speed? What? And give away my secret identity to outsiders? So we're at the top of the page again for the next panel. Um, and they're running away from their home. Now, we talked about this recently, didn't we? Mm -hmm. They'd been sharing an apartment at one point. But now we seem to have a proper, full, detached bungalow. In the burbs. 
definitely a sub- yeah, nice suburban landscape there. When did they move house? Listeners, if you know, write in and tell us. <laughs> so as they run from the home, Iris is saying, That's so important at a time like this. What if that creep goes after us? It'll have to find us first. Caption for the next panel. Frantic seconds later in a fallout shelter. In a fallout shelter? Gosh. Goodness me, the worst sound continues as we see Iris and Barry running down some stairs. There's an arrow on the wall pointing, printed above the arrow, is the word shelter. And as they go down the stairs, Iris is saying, Barry, it knows where we are. That terrible racket is getting closer. And Barry thinks, If it follows us down here, Flash will be ready for it. Caption name for the next panel. But after tense moments of waiting... Yeah, it looks as though some folk have come and got them to get them out of the fallout shelter. A fallout shelter? That's like... It's presented just so yeah. blasé, isn't it? So matter of fact. Yeah. Presumably it's a couple of neighbours that have opened the door and one of them says... You folks all right? Barry replies... The creature? What happened to it? And another neighbour replies... It's gone! With the wind! In the next panel, one of the neighbours continues... Darndest thing I ever saw. I was just about to barrel down here when all of a sudden, poof, it was gone. Iris and Barry are standing, and Iris says, Barry, I'm worried. This is the second time that creature has turned up near you. Do you think there's some connection? Barry says, It's beginning to look that way, Iris. Then he thinks, The question is, is it after Barry Allen or The Flash? Okay, so, top of page six, caption for the first panel says, Early the next morning, a crimson blur streaks through Central City. There's a nice aerial shot of the Flash speeding along, and as he runs along he says, I'm not usually up at dawn, but I promised my custodian friend Dexter Miles that I'd check the authenticity of the new exhibits he's placed in the Flash Museum. That's a great little exposition dump there. Superb. That he said out loud. Yes, to no one. <laughs> to us, to us, the reader. He's telling us that's very nice of him. So panel two has a caption that says, Mere heartbeats later, among the many mementos inside the famed building. Barry's arrived inside the Flash Museum, and there are some balakalavad baddies, some robbers. One's holding a large patterned vase. Another one's reaching into a glass cabinet. There's another one with a tied bag. I can't remember a Flash story that hinged on a large ornate vase. Maybe Peter can remember, but not to worry. No, not a fan. No? No. Well, Flash is running in from the right of the panel. As one of the balaclavered goons says, Hold it! The Flash! And the guy reaching into the glass case says, Why is he here? This time of day! And the Flash says, For a better reason than you crooks! The caption in for the next panel says, Weapons raised, the looters take aim, and promptly fall flat on their heads. <laughs> That's quite funny, because there's no sign of them holding guns in the previous panel, but not to worry. They've all got guns, or at least they're dropping their guns in this very exciting panel, as they go flying, and yes, there's a massive worse sound effect again. One of the goons cries, Hey, how'd Flash pull that trick? And Flash thinks, I wish I could take credit for it, but it's the work of that bag of wind again. So it's after the Flash too. Yeah, as the worst sound effect blurs between this panel and the next one, and the creature appears in front of everyone. Purple arms and a predominantly yellow head at this point. One of the goons cries out, Yow! What is that thing? And the second one says, It's blowing up a storm! We, we gotta get out of here! And Flash looks up at the creature and thinks, Crooks or no crooks, I'll have to give them a hand. Arriving page seven, the caption of the first panel says, Instantly, the fastest man alive explodes into action. Very helpfully, Barry tells us what he's doing in some thought bubbles. Javelin them at super speed, causing their molecules to vibrate harmlessly through the wall. Yeah, he's picking the baddies up, vibrating them and hurling them through the wall of the museum to land outside. And for panel two, the caption says, A fraction of a second later, Barry's vibrating through the wall after them. You see the, the goons landing one by one in the street outside, and Flash is thinking as he vibrates through the wall. Suddenly felt such intense heat in there. 
I had to get out too. But then from behind him, there's a massive quam as the brick wall that he's just come through shatters under the pressure from the big whirling psychedelic monster. Bursts through the wall behind him, Flash turns around, looking at the creature, and he thinks, Phew, that creature's violent air turbulencies built up so much pressure, the museum's walls blew apart. And a close-up of Barry in the next panel as he observes the creature still whirring away, and the Flash thinks, Now that I know it's after me as Barry and Flash, I've got to take another crack at it. So, she's forward to try and punch it in the next panel. With a pop, the creature vanishes. The Flash thinks, How'd that happen? I knocked it out of existence with my first punch. Okay, now things get a bit weird here. <laughs> Don't mind saying. As we arrive at the top of page eight, and the caption for the first panel says, Suddenly, an eerie glow pierces the air. Barry turns around and reacts as a pinkish glow is appearing in mid-air, and from the heart of this, big burst of white energy, a very unusual looking alien has appeared. How are we going to describe this guy, PC? <laughs> it's like an alien astronaut, really. It's like an astronaut outfit he's got with a kind of fishbowl on top of his head, like from his forehead, and pink startled look, almost like the scream, his face yeah. munches the scream. I wonder if his head is the same shape underneath. Oh, there's a thought. Very large black domed top to his helmet. He reminds me of the aliens a little bit from the Metal Mind story we did that week. You know, it's a touch of the camera oh, yeah. rose about him slightly. The facial features are a little bit more human, I would say, but he's a mm -hmm. touch of those about him. So anyway, this alien appears from this burst of energy. And he's addressing the Flash and he says, My apologies, Earthling, for all the troubles you've been having. The creature that has been menacing you is a knock. That's spelled N-O-K. A species of wildlife I captured on a distant planet. And this weird alien guy narrates the next panel, saying, I was transporting it, along with other interplanetary game, to my native world when my craft malfunctioned. And we're out in space for this panel. Weirdo-looking alien spaceship. There's a touch of the Starship Enterprises to it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Two nacelles and a saucer section, yes. <laughs> and it looks as though this Starship Enterprise-style spaceship is hovering above Earth, because we can see a bit of landmass. It looks a little bit like Africa, or maybe it's North America, I'm not sure. But anyway, the little alien guy's voice can be heard coming from the spaceship, saying, My cosmic photocon unit is burnt out. I'll have to land and regenerate it on this nearby planet. As I was making repairs, he narrates the next panel, we see him standing outside his spaceship, and the whirling creature that we now know is called a knock can be seen sprinting, bouncing away in the background. And the little alien guy thinks, The knock shook off the tranquilizer drug I gave it, smashed through its cage and took off. It's too dangerous to let it run amok here. Panel 4 of page 8, we're back with the alien and Barry. It's kind of hovering near in front of him, surrounded by this glow, and it's saying, Using my Mara scanner, I was able to track down and teleport the knock back to my ship each of the three times it escaped. Flash replies, So, that explains its sudden disappearances. But why does that knock always come after me? So we get a nice close-up of the alien in panel 5, and it's saying in response to the Flash, I, I have no way of knowing. To make matters worse, the knock is becoming increasingly powerful. My scanner will no longer control it. Should it escape and menace you again... I know, I'll be in my own. Gosh, the alien vanishes then with a further burst of energy. In the final panel of page 8, saying to the Flash as it goes, In six of your hours, my ship will be fully regenerated. If by that time you have not yet found a way to overwhelm the Nark, I will be forced to leave without it. Remember, six hours. So, we're now at the top of page 9, and we see the Flash speeding along, bearing behind them the three bodies who are trying to break into the museum. And as he speeds along, he is thinking. Nothing more I can do now but carry on as usual. 
First off, I'll dispose of these museum crooks. Caption for panel two. Nanoseconds later, the Crimson Comet speeds out of police headquarters. Spinning along, the Flash thinks. Back to the Flash Museum to repair the damage. Eh? Running faster than I should be. Yeah, he's having some trouble. Uh, He continues to think in the next panel. It's as if something's pushing me forward at fantastic velocity. That sensation of heat again. Does it mean... Yep, the Flash looks behind him in the next panel, and he can see the knock behind him, chasing along the knock, predominantly yellow in this panel, whirling away, and Flash thinks, The knock! After me again! It's wind blasts increasing my speed, closing in on me, much too close! It's going to... And then he yells in the next panel, Crash into me! And the knock collides! There's a massive concussive burst of energy! And as you arrive now, top of page 10, and the Flash is hurtling through a weird sort of black void, the burst of energy behind him, He's been powered through, and he's saying, Ah! Blacking out! What's happening to me? This chapter of the story is rounded out with a caption box that says, Do you know what's happening to the Scarlet Speedster? Turn to part two and prepare yourself for a shock as Flash goes through the most startling experience of his life. The Flash has so many startling experiences, even just within yes. the, this podcast. It's fascinating. On a monthly basis, he seems to have. Yeah, yeah. Or at least eight times a year. <laughs> at this point, yes. So we're a tiny caption that says, Continued in the second page following. The following page is an advertisement for Superboy issue 147. An 80-page giant, which I don't actually have in my collection. Listeners, if you're out there and you have a spare copy and you'd like to send it to us, please get in touch. So, top of page 11, we have a large caption box that says, The, the Flash, Flash. Fact or Fiction, Part 2. Our first scene-setting caption for the first panel says, Minutes, perhaps hours later, Flash is down on the ground, using his arms to prop himself up. There's little bursts of energy around his head. is obviously, you know, he's a bit dazed. Try to clear his head so he can function, and he's thinking... Must have been out for quite a while. That super speed collision with the knock gave me quite a jolt. No sign of it. Where'd it go? He's getting to his feet in the next panel, and he's thinking... And where did I go? When I blacked out, I was in open countryside. This looks like a warehouse. There can be only one answer. And in close-up, he continues to think... The terrific impact hurled me clear out of this world, and into another dimension. Perhaps Earth 2. We get a little asterisk that interrupts Barry here and another caption box that says... A parallel Earth in a different dimension similar to Flashy's own Earth. Yep. Also, an excellent podcast from the 21st century. <laughs> 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 yes. Two years we've been at this. This is crazy. Longer than two years we've been... Yeah. Anyway, not to worry. Yeah. <laughs> Flash continues to think... If that's the case... I should have no trouble getting back. Cool. Well, that makes sense. You know, it's, it's a sensible hypothesis that he's been vibrating into Earth 2 by the bus from the, the knock. We'll see. The caption name for panel 4 says, Calling on every iota of his fantastic speed in an attempt to return to his own world. We see the flash twirling and twirling around, and as he does this, he's thinking, Strange. For some reason, I'm unable to vibrate myself out of this dimension. That means I can't be in Earth 2. Then, where am I? Okay, so... Reach the bottom, page 11 now. Caption for this panel says, Shortly upon leaving the warehouse. With the flash now, he seems to be standing on a, a normal street. You can see a couple of shops, Willowdale Lumber, another store with general contracting written on the window. The flash is thinking, According to that sign, I'm in Willowdale, but the only Willowdale in my world is a large teeming metropolis, not a country town like this. I'd better look around. Right. Oh, things start looking good now, listeners. Top page 12. 
The caption for the first panel says, Soon? So we see the Flash in costume walking along this Willowdale Street. There's a shop selling drugs, which is very modern, if you ask me. And there's another shop that has the front Ace Grocery. And we can see that the people in this street are pointing. And there's a little boy wearing a green jumper who points at the Flash and says, Gosh, look, it's the Flash! And a man beside him on the street says, Flash, you say, son. <laughs> what folks won't do these days to get attention? And our Flash has heard some of this and he's thinking, What's wrong with the people in this town? They're acting as if I were some kind of costumed cook. And ahead of Barry on the pavement in this first panel, we can see a police officer now. In the next panel, the police officer has obviously stopped him because um, they're in conversation and the Flash is saying, But, officer, I tell you, I'm the Flash. The policeman doesn't want to hear it. He's saying, Sure. And I'm Dick Tracy. Now just move along and go to your masquerade party. Which is very appropriate because we're recording this episode a couple of days before Halloween. <laughs> Caption for the next panel says, Suddenly the bewildered Flash suffers still another shock. Yeah, the little boy in the green, who we saw in the first panel of this page, is saying, Flash, are you going to use your ring to change back to Barry Allen the way you do in your comic magazine? And then the little boy's mum, who's standing behind him, says, Now, Bobby... You know, that's only make-believe. Extreme close-up at the right-hand side of this panel, the Flash thinks. Gasp! How can that youngster know about my ring and secret identity? In the next panel, little boy runs off, saying, Wait right here, Flash. I'll be back in a jiffy. Bobby's mum says, Bobby, where are you going? There's a magazine stand down the block. Catch him for the next panel, then. A minute later. Bobby is returned, holding something in his hand, and he says, Will you please autograph this for me, Flash? And the Flash looks astonished and thinks, Oh no, this can't really be happening. It must be make-believe, as the lady said. And this final panel is a close-up of the Flash reading a copy of Flash issue 172. And he looks alarmed and thinks, Incredible! This Flash comic recounts an adventure I had a few months ago, down to the very last detail. My innermost thoughts, my secret identity are all here, in print. Top of page 13, Bobby's mum says, Get away from him, Bobby. He has a wild look in his eyes. And the man who was there earlier on, maybe Bobby's dad, we're not sure. Probably. Maybe it's just a good friend of Bobby's mum. Who are we to say? <laughs> this chap says, Maybe we'd better find out who this cook really is. And then the Flash thinks, Uh-oh, I'd better leave this crowd, fast. And he zooms off. Tremendous. And we stand in front of a, a short window there that says, Joe's. I wonder if you can eat there. Mm. Anyway, caption for panel 2, page 13. The next instant. And we see the police and Bobby's mum and Bobby's mum's friends. They look astonished. Bobby's mum says, Huh? Where'd he go? And the man who's with them says, He was right here just a second ago. And a very smug-looking Bobby in the front of the panel is thinking, Huh, those grown-ups. Don't they realise Flash is super speed and raced away? He must be halfway across the country by this time. So... A slow dissolve. The caption for the next panel on page 13 says, And sure enough, halfway across the country, a puzzled Flash is trying to comprehend his unique predicament. Yes, see the Flash standing one foot up on a rock, still holding a copy of 172, and he's beholding a big cityscape in front of him. The Flash is thinking, Back in my world, Earth 1, a writer named Gardner Fox wrote about the adventures of another Flash, a fictional character named Jay Garrick. Fox claimed the adventures came to him in his dreams. However, what Fox didn't realise is that when he was asleep, his mind tuned in on another vibratory world, Earth 2, where Jay, Flash, Garrick really existed. we got another tiny little asterisk that gives us a very helpful footnote to remind us to... See Flash of Two Worlds, The Flash 1, 2, 3, or yep. the previous episode of our podcast. 
That's true. Very early one. So, in his close-up here, the Flash continues to think. My guess is that a similar phenomenon is taking place here. Yep. So the next panel, sir. Another shot of Flash 172 as the Flash continues to think. In the parallel Earth I'm stranded in now, another writer must tune in on my world and then write about my adventures. Therefore, here, I am just a fictional character, which explains this comic mag. He looks very pensive in the final panel of page 13 as he thinks. It's obvious that my super speed alone will not be enough to get me back to my own world, but I may have one slim chance with the help of a cosmic treadmill. And another footnote tells us that the cosmic treadmill is... A device which, when powered by Flash's super speed, enables the Scarlet Speedster to break the dimensions of space and time. Tremendous. So, top of page 14 now. However, the speedster's faint hope is quickly shattered when... Yep, Barry's had a quick check to see how much cash he's got on him. And he's realised... <laughs> All I have on me is a couple of bucks and some loose change. How am I going to buy the materials I'll need to build the treadmill? You could just steal them, Barry. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, so, the caption for panel 2 says... A sudden burst of speed and the fastest man alive races into the heart of the city. Yeah, so cracking aerial shot of the Flash accelerating along a busy road going into a tunnel that says, To New York City. As he rushes along, the Flash is thinking, There's only one man on this earth who might believe my fantastic story and give me the money I need. And the next panel shows the Flash emerging from the other side of the tunnel, thinking, The editor of that Flash comic mag. His name and address were printed on the first page. So a tiny arrow leads us into the next panel and a caption box that says... Instance later, in an empty washroom located somewhere in New York City... We see the Flash operating his ring and his costume going... All the way back in. As he does this, Barry Allen is thinking... I can't let anyone around here see me in this Flash uniform without creating a scene. So from now on, I'll be Barry Allen. His final panel shows Barry beholding and looking up at giant skyscraper in front of him. And he's thinking, This is it. 575 Lexington Avenue. The man I want is in this building. So the caption for the first panel, page 15, says, Moments later, on the 8th floor... We see Barry standing in a very sparse-looking reception area, and we can see a girl at her desk, behind a little bit of glass, and she's saying, Mr. Schwartz, there's a Mr. Barry Allen here to see you. He says it's urgent. And this next panel, rather marvellously, is a very accurate, almost portrait shot of legendary comics professional. It's Julius Schwartz, superb. And he's answering the phone to Ginny and he's saying, Barry Allen, uh, send him in, Ginny. And he thinks, probably some Flash fanatic's idea of a joke. I'll see what he's up to. Barry enters Julie's office at the next panel and Julie looks appalled, thinking, for crying out loud, this guy even went to the trouble of disguising himself to look like Barry Allen. And now Barry Allen says, Mr. Schwartz, I need your help. Okay, we have a slow dissolve then. And a caption for the next panel, page 15, says, After Barry is told the editor of his fantastic predicament. It's a nice overhead shot of Julie Schwartz sat behind his desk. Barry sat in the visitor's chair opposite him. And Barry is saying, And after you lay out the money to buy the materials for the cosmic treadmill, I can... Hold it. If you need a handout, say so. You didn't have to dream up that wild story. It's hard to believe, I know, but I can prove it. And Julie looks very annoyed and holds up his hand, you know, as if talk to the hand because the face ain't listening, and says to Barry, I've got deadlines to meet. I don't have time to. And the first panel, page 16, shows Barry unleashing his Flash costume and changing rapidly in front of Julie, saying, Now, do you believe me? And an astonished Julie Schwartz says, <gasps> The ring, the expanding uniform, the switch to Flash, right before my eyes. Flash says in the next panel, Well, sir, now will you help me? To the limit. Tell me what you'll need to build your cosmic treadmill. 
caption for the next panel. Soon. Yep, and the Flash is sat in the chair. Julie's office. Julie's standing looking down at some papers on his desk. And Julie is saying, that's quite a list. Uh, you might be interested in looking at our bound volumes of the Flash. It may take me a while to get some of these things, so make yourself comfortable while I'm gone. Next panel shows Julie exiting a doorway. Barry's in the room behind him. Julie is saying, Julie looking very much like my grandpa Steele in this panel. <laughs> Julie is saying, I think it would be better for both of us if you kept yourself locked in here out of sight. Barry replies, Yes, I know what you mean. Final panel then at page 16 shows the Flash. Sat up with his feet on Julie's desk. Reading, still reading issue 172 it looks like. And he's thinking, Maybe if I go over these comic mag accounts of my past adventures, I might come across a clue on how to deal with the knock. If I ever get back to my own Earth. So, top of page 17, the caption of the first panel says, A few hours later. And Julie's standing outside the door. Lots of boxes and equipment and stuff in his hands. And the Flash says, How'd you make out? Oh, I had to go all over town to buy some of this stuff. But I managed to get everything on your list. The next panel shows the Flash laying all the equipment and gubbins out on the ground. Julie's hanging up his jacket, saying, Okay, Flash, go to it. Step back, out of the way, I'm going to work at super speed. And that's what the next panel shows. At super speed, we see the Flash assembling a cosmic treadmill. You can see him even welding at one point and building the, the speedometer bit at the top and laying out the, the treadmill track that he runs on, doing a bit of work with a screwdriver. As he watches all this, Julie exclaims, I see it, but I don't believe it. And he thinks, And I ball out my riders for pulling that cliché. Caption for the final panel of page 17 says, Scant seconds later, the treadmill is completed. It look, does look very sparkly and brand new. Flash gestures towards the treadmill, saying, Well, so long, Mr. Schwartz. I don't know what I would have done without you. Julie waves this off, saying, Forget it. Besides, think of the terrific Flash yarn I'll be getting out of this. Over the page then, top of page 18, Flash is on the cosmic treadmill and he starts running. And he says, At this vibratory speed, I should be bridging the interdimensional gap any moment now. Continues in the next panel. Got to keep pouring it on. Faster. Faster. And there's a giant. Suddenly. There's a caption. And the flash vanishes with a burst of energy, leaving Julie Schwartz behind. And Julie thinks, he's gone. Back to his own earth, I hope. And the closing caption for this chunk of the story says, Will Flash's fantastic gambit pay off? Turn to part three for the earth-shattering conclusion. The rest of this page is taken up with a couple of cracking DC house ads for World's Finest and Just League of America. We're over the page, past the letters page for the issue, past a Caps Hobby Hints, past Direct Currents page for this issue, which is plugging Our Army at War and Tomahawk. Now, I've said this before, but I wish there was a Tomahawk story we could have done at one point. To arrive then at the top of page 19, and a large caption box that says... The, the Flash! Flash. Fact, Fact or, or fiction, fiction, part three. Okay, and the text caption says, Vibrating faster than he ever has before, the Flash's intradimensional journey finally comes to an end. Yep, see the Flash vibrating along, and he's thinking, This looks like the same countryside I started from, but am I back on my own earth? We can see some trees, some grass, a very pleasant looking place to, to return to. Caption for the next panel. Then a wave of relief. See the flash speeding along the next panel. He holds a sign that says, Central City, City Limits. And Flash thinks, Central City, straight ahead. Must be a heat wave here, unless it's a sign that knock is close by. And then as a massive burst of pink energy that heralds the arrival of the baddie of the piece, the Flash exclaims, Ah, it sure is. Yep, and we can see the creature taking shape behind him. In the final panel of page 19, 
It's jumped on his back. It's a big mess of brown and green and yellow and pink and purple and blue. and Oh, it's hideous. It makes the Sixth Doctor's costume look positively tasteful, if you like. So the creature's got Barry down. It's got, it looks like it's gripping his backside with his feet. <laughs> and gripping his shoulders with his hands. And the Flash is thinking, The creature's on top of me, pinning me to the ground. Got to break free. Especially now, since I think I know why it's after me. All right. Made a bit of a jump here, Barry. Okay, top of page 20. The caption for the first panel says... Instantly, every atom of Flashy's body vibrates internally at ultra speed. And the Flash thinks... Heat's getting unbearable, but I've got to work up enough internal vibration to allow my body to pass through the ground beneath. Yeah, and so that's what happens. Flash starts vibrating, disappears into the ground. It does look in this panel like there's a huge amount of radiant heat coming off of the knock. Mm-hmm. Definitely a red glow going on. Yes. We see that he's blue and orange and yellow and green and purple in this panel. I do like the, the constant shape changing. You'd be really It's a very effective, very visual body. It's great fun. Yeah. The caption for panel two then says, Out of the creature's stifling grasp, the monarch of motion solidifies himself as he emerges onto the surface. <laughs> this is a great panel. Yes, the knock is definitely radiating heat at this point. He's a massive question mark speech bubble. He's obviously very surprised at the fact that Flash has disappeared. Flash emerges from the ground behind him, rushing off, thinking, Luckily the knock hasn't spotted me. Now's my chance to get back to my laboratory in Central City. He keeps running in the next panel, thinking, While I was studying those Flash comic mags, I noticed a common factor in many of my adventures. The reference to my invisible body aura, which shields me from the intense heat of air friction at super speed. Ah... So the next panel shows the Flash accelerating towards the police precinct building, and he's thinking, I think it's my body's aura radiation which repeatedly attracts the creature. The knock feeds on it. That explains the sensations of heat I felt when super speeding in the presence of the knock. Interesting. Now, they could have seeded that a little bit better, don't mind saying. Anyway, so, the final panel, page 20, has a caption that says, Inside Barry Allen's well-equipped lab, Flash works at a feverish pace. Yeah. Great panel of the Flash speeding around the laboratory at work, and as he does all this, he's thinking, I've analysed the chemical makeup of my aura several times in the past, but now I must duplicate that same aura radiation here in the lab. The future of my Flash career depends on it. Gosh, he continues to work across the first couple of panels of page 21, thinking, Next time the knock bombards me, it might absorb my aura completely, leaving me defenceless against heat friction. My days as the Flash would be over forever. That's why it's imperative I built this special spray gun, so that I can load it with the artificial aura radiation I've synthesized. It's my only hope to stave off the knock. It's amazing that he has all this equipment and he's able to do this in just one little police laboratory. It's my thinking that maybe Barry has built up all sorts of technology and information and stuff that his colleagues just wouldn't even look at because they couldn't understand it. <laughs> maybe he's gone down to, to the arms room and stolen a gun so that he can <laughs> fix it. I don't know. So... There's a little sequence of three panels along the bottom of page 21. The caption for the first one says, Suddenly, the dead silence in the lab is broken by a foreboding sound. Yes, across these three panels we have the giant whirr sound effect. First panel is full-length shot of the Flash holding his new gun and he's thinking, It's almost here. Caption for the second panel, The frightening eerie noise grows louder, louder. The Flash thinks, Only a split second left. The caption for the next panel, Louder. And an extreme close-up of the Flash, sweat on his brow, holding the gun ready to fire. The Flash thinks, Here it comes! And then all speed and momentum is interrupted because the tiny caption says, Continued on second page following. Over the page, Ooh, the United States Lawn Tennis Association. That's interesting. First panel, page 22, the knock bursts into the room. It almost looks as though it's melting. 
shedding mm-hmm. coloured drops behind it, predominantly sort of bluey green and yellow at this point, leaping towards the Flash. The Flash thinks, This better work, or I've had it. And he fires his gun, which is a nice breeze sound effect, and a burst of orange and yellow energy fires from the gun, striking the knock. In the next panel, the Flash thinks, The knock stopped in its tracks. It's wallowing in the aura radiation. My hunch paid off. Yeah, Barry continues to fire the gun in the brie and we see the creature looming up over him. I think the Doctor Who monster costume designers for season 17 were very, very heavily influenced by this creature with its big feet and its spindly legs and its big hands. It's reading up over him. Yeah, it almost looks like it's smiling. It has got a big cheesy grin in its face, definitely. Yeah, very exultant, I suppose. The caption mm-hmm. then for the next panel says, Then a surprising development. And as the Flash holds the creature in the sort of thrall of its gun, there's a burst of energy behind him and he turns around to think... The alien hunter materialising in my lab. Yep, it's the weird pink-faced alien. He's back again and he's saying, My gratitude is yours, Earthling. You've succeeded in restraining the knock. Top of page 23 then. The caption for the first panel says, After the Scarlet Speedster explains the purpose of his aura gun... See the flash. Standing with a little alien, the alien is still firing the gun, which is still holding the knock stationary. Flash is saying, And as long as you regularly feed the knock with the radiation in this gun, it won't cause you or anyone else trouble. I understand. Thanks to you, the knock is tranquil enough to be under my teleportation power again. It's high time we got off your world. And then the caption for the second panel on this page says, That evening in the Allen home. We see Iris with a nice wee penny tied around her waist and she's calling, Barry! Dinner's ready, Barry replies. Coming, dear. And then he thinks, I still can't get over it. I'm just a fictional comic magazine character on another Earth. And our story concludes with a caption for the final panel saying, And somewhere in the depths of time and space, in a cluttered editorial office. And we see Julie Schwartz standing with a finger to his chin, beholding a cosmic treadmill. There's positive and negative signs and all of that, and he's thinking, I can hardly wait till Flash's adventure appears in a forthcoming issue. I'll know it really happened, even if the readers won't. The The end. end. It's interesting, actually, the rest of this page is taken up with an advertisement for House of Mystery on sale on March the 14th, and it's that famous cover to the first issue of House of Mystery was starting to go creepy again when it had been the Martian Manhunter and all that stuff, and Mm -hmm. was because the relaxation of the comics code when... DC were starting to tell horror stories again. Mm. I believe we have a plan to do a House of Mystery story in that vein very soon indeed. Yes, stay tuned. So, that was it for The Flash Factor Fiction. I don't know about you, but I love that. Yes, <laughs> it's a great story. I, th- I think the first time I read it was in The Greatest Flash Stories Ever Told. Uh-huh. Many, many years ago in the 90s. No, I... I enjoyed it. It rattles along, as I always say about some stories. And it's it's very interesting because we did our Strange Adventures on Earth Prime episode right way, way back at the start in episode six, I think it was. And that was us setting up the idea of comic creators appearing as characters in stories. Yes. I kind of expected the term Earth Prime to be used in this story. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> obviously it wasn't. No, not yet. We've touched on other stories as well. We mentioned like, you know, issues of the Sea Devils and Green Lantern and what have you. Mm-hmm. where comic creators pop up in the stories and it's it's great to have Julie pop up. Yep. This one kind of casts a long shadow in a way. There's an awful lot that follows on from the establishment of an Earth where mm-hmm. the Flash is in fact just a, a comic book character. Yeah, it must be quite the thrill for Barry to see his adventures appear in comics being such a comic fan himself. Yes. You know, it's especially when, when Julie goes out to do the shopping. <laughs> but he leaves Barry with bound volumes of his adventures. That's great. Yeah, I wonder if Barry is a favourite Flash artist. <laughs> Did he prefer <laughs> it 
when he was being drawn by Cameron Infantino. I have to say that the artwork in this issue was a little bit too rough for me. Ah, I see. It was fine. Very visual. I loved the way the creature mm. was drawn and all that. Yeah. I'm kind of still, I think, tuned into the sleekness of Carmine. I'm, miss- I'm, I'm, I'm missing that now, I think. It looked fine. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. But I think I kind of, for me, the artwork kind of, slight- no, it didn't let it down. That's the wrong way to put it. It was just kind of, I would have preferred it maybe if the artwork had just been a little bit tighter, maybe a little focused. I don't know. I really enjoyed the after image use that, as, as we said the last time, mm. uh, Ross Andrew mm. was penciling one of these. He really yes. does heavily use after images for the Flash, and it, I think it works brilliantly. I like the simplicity of the design of the cosmic treadmill with the positive, negative, and the little timer thing at the top. That's mm-hmm. hilarious, and it's mm-hmm. basic silvery simplicity. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's like in King of the Rocket Men's on and off switch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've done quite a few of the Flash stories that published in the last year or so. Of, mm-hmm. I think this is the last one of this immediate little stretch. There's another Flash story along in, in a few months sort of relative time that we'll be doing. As I said as well, this is the first Carrie Bates Flash story. Now, Carrie goes on to do a legendary Flash run mm. from the early 200s right through to the final issue with only just a couple of villains. And there's an interview with him in the Flash Companion from Two Morrows. Ah. And he's asked about this very story. The interviewer says Flash 179 is credited for the creation of Earth Prime and the first time a DC character met Julius Schwartz in a comic book. Throughout your writing career on the Flash and Justice League books, you really like to dance around breaking the fourth wall at times. What can you tell me about this story and how it came about? And Carrie answers, You're right about my affinity for the fourth wall thing, but I really don't know where that comes from. Though I remember this particular story was inspired by Flash of Two Worlds. It just seemed logical to me that after Julian Gardner Fox established the precedent that Jay Garrick had his own Earth, why couldn't there be yet another Earth for us, the reader, where Jay and Barry Allen were just comic book characters? I think the Earth Prime designation came years later. And yes, as we said, it's not at present mm. in this story. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. As I said, Carrie's the writer responsible for me falling in love with The Flash right. and making my favourite character. Yeah, his influence is there straight away. I mean, mm-hmm. the psychedelic reference, there was another line when Barry talked about a trip and when, you know, things certainly look a little bit looser around the Allen home. Yeah. You know, I, I talked before when, when we did that issue of The Spectre, guest starring Wildcat, which obviously was written by Mike Friedrich, another new generation, mm-hmm. if you like, writer coming another along. Another letter hack. Yeah. Because yeah, Carrie Bates was a letter hack. Yeah. We mused then, this was the beginnings of the Bronze Age, mm-hmm. you know, starting to affect. And obviously, if this issue of House of Mystery is about to be published, that's a massive part of the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. You can definitely feel a, a, a slight change in the wind. Things are relaxing yeah. a little bit. It was a very fast-moving, very fluid story. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like this is the beginnings of a new approach. Yeah, It's a long time before there's another Barry and Jay Flash team up. A long, mm-hmm. long time. But we'll be doing them. And there's going to be a few other sort of significant Flash stories that we're going to do along the way, obviously. So it's yeah. not the last we're going to be hearing from Carrie Brates. And I think in the past when we've talked, especially when we've talked about some of the Lois Lane and Superman family stories, there's still a sense in those, this is comics being produced for kids by middle-aged men. Whereas yeah. there's definitely a feeling now that things are starting to evolve and these are comics being written and created by, by younger men. And you can definitely yeah. feel the, the slight change, even just in Barry's dialogue references, the stuff he was talking about, you know, mm-hmm. square old Barry Allen, that we both know and love wouldn't have said that two or three years ago you know what I mean yeah it's very interesting just these little subtle changes although annoyingly uh, when Frank Robbins takes over as writer as of I think it's the next issue actually 
he tries to make him far too hip. Oh, right. And it's genuinely awful. I remember that. That's the, the samurai story. Yeah, the samurais, yeah. Yes, I remember reading that a long time ago and thinking it was absolutely excruciating. Yep. <laughs> it is. Yes. It is not good. Yes. <laughs> Fortunately, he's not on it for too long. But uh, yeah, great artist, not mm. so great a writer. Oh, well. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> there you go. One thing I want to mention as well is I feel sorry for poor Bobby. First of all, he meets the Flash, which is incredible. No one believes him that it is the Flash. Mm. He buys a copy of his comic, takes it over to him for him to sign. Yeah. And not only does the Flash not sign it, but he steals it. Yeah, he bogs off. He's reading it when he's like uh, outside New York, mm-hmm. contemplating what he's going to do next. Mm-hmm. So he didn't plan to return it. Shocking. Terrible behaviour. When we write our own DC comic, um, we'll do a story called Bobby's Revenge. And Bobby yes. has grown up and become an adult and, you know, mm-hmm. travels to Earth 1 and is instrumental in causing all sorts of havoc for the Flash. Bobby becomes the anti-monitor. Yes, that's it. That's probably... <gasps> hey, there's nothing to say that didn't happen. Yep. Who can yep. say? Uh-huh. Who can say? You heard it here first, listeners. Secret origin story. Don't write in. Don't write in. <laughs> Speaking of writing in, does this lead us to the, the contemporary reader reaction? Yeah, let's jump ahead to Flashgrams in issue 182. The first couple of letters uh, don't actually deal with that story. So we'll jump straight into the third one, which says, Dear Editor, Flash 179 came as quite a shock to me. I wasn't shocked by the Andrew Esposito artwork since this was the fourth issue to contain it, nor was I especially shocked by the unknown Carrie Bates who authored the Flash Factor Fiction. What shocked me was the story itself. For once you have definitely achieved your purpose by making me very interested in a story and affecting me by the way its plot turned out. I was especially interested in the way the story progressed. Except for the unusual menace Flash was fighting up until part two, the story could have been only a commonplace Flash yarn. The way you gave us clues, even in the first part, as to why everything was happening is a privilege I find I can only enjoy in DC magazines, so thank you heartily for them. After reading three panels into part two, I became pretty confused. I knew Flash wasn't in Earth 2 even before he told us because that would have meant an adventure with J-Flash and would have been so advertised on the cover. Well, not always, as we've seen mm. to see nothing spells of abracadabra. Mm. And then we saw Willowdale, which offered two solutions. One of them, the one I thought would be right, was that Flash had been sent into Willowdale many years ago when it was only a country town. When only a boy recognised Flash, it backed up my theory. Sort of. Because he would have been the only one to know Flash in the future and therefore be the only one to recognise him in the past. That's a bit wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, isn't it? This is a load of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Which is faulty reasoning indeed, and even shakier when you take into consideration the modern clothing the townspeople wore. The other possible solution was the correct one, the one you gave us, and I must admit, I liked it better. Good, because at least it makes sense. Yes. From then on, the story was nothing short of perfect, offering a few insights into the editorial life at National Periodical Publications. And that's from Stephen Carlberg from Nicoma Park, Oklahoma. That's a very confusing letter. I've no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, <laughs> if you're listening. Editorial response to that one then is, Carrie Bates, another of our fan correspondents turned author, is for real. Besides the aforementioned Flash, this Ohio University student has written a number of Superman Batman adventures for World's Finest. Okay. Yes. Right, and the next letter, a nice short one, goes like this. Dear Editor, The May Flash was the most wasted issue in Flash history. Carrie Batesy's script was the worst I've seen in a Schwartz edited mag. But then, he didn't have much of an idea to start with. I doubt that any writer could have done much with the cover scene. And that's from future comic writer 
Mark Ivanier from Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Good grief, that's very negative. Is there a bit of jealousy going on there, do you think? Scathing, yeah. Funny enough, Mark's first published work was A House of Mystery story from June 1973. So yeah, he's, he's a few years away from becoming a pro himself. Editorial response to, to Mark's letter then is, Carrie based his script on a cover that he himself originated. To neutralise Carrie's joke from this negative critic, let us count the positive one, so that'll, that'll be the next letter. So yeah, that's... <laughs> off Mark Ivanier, I say. <laughs> that was obviously at the time where they generated the covers first yeah. and then worked out what the story would be revolving around it. Quite often that happens, not all the time. But Famously, I think Flash 1, 2, 3, Flash of Two Worlds worked that way. Yes. I think there's a bit of jealousy from, from young Mark there. I know mainly he's a <laughs> collaborator with Sergio Argonez, to be honest. Yes, true. Anyway, okay. The final letter. Dear editor, I have just finished the Flash number 179 and there are no words in the English language to express my opinion of it. I can only say it was the greatest, most different comic I have ever read. I consider it the perfect comic. Gosh. First of all, the title, The Flash, fact or fiction, absolutely perfect. Next, the cover. At first, I couldn't make any sense out of it. Even so, it was very striking. After reading the story, the cover became wonderfully clear. In a way, the cover told the story. Yeah, Flash was really fighting the creature and the youngster was reading about the same adventure. The scenes inside the Flash editor's office were ones I will remember for a long time. They were the best part of the entire issue. And I think, apart from the shape-changing, colour-shifting monster, I would agree, mm-hmm. and that led us from Kendall Sutton, Hartford City, End, Indiana, Indianapolis, I don't know, Indiana, probably Indiana. <laughs> I should really dig out that list of all the states that, that Steve Higgins sent me yes. ages ago. <laughs> Speaking of Steve Higgins, very recently we did Brave and the Bold issue 76, and Peter and I were astonished... Yes. At the phenomenon of drive-through banking, a little banking kiosk that got robbed at the start of that mm-hmm. story. And Steve Higgins, a regular listener along with his daughter Caitlin, hi Caitlin, got in touch to tell us that apparently drive-through banking is, is a big thing in America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm astonished by. We're both astonished by, yes. Yeah. Speaking of two people who formerly worked in banks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't have time to go into the bank and pay in your cheque. Just do it at the drive-through. Stunning. Gosh, it's the future. It's the future of the past, it really is. I cannot wrap my head around it at all. I think it's a geography thing. Banks are always just in high streets or whatever. They're not out-of-town destination yeah. areas or places. It's, it's. I can't imagine that a drive through situation working in any of the four branches of Abbey National that I worked in. <laughs> so yes, thank you for that information, Steve. It was very helpful. Yes. <laughs> If you have any information or any comments of any of the stories that we've covered, you can write in to us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're posting lots of bonus material for this and every other episode. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore earth2. And make sure you check out our website, that's theearth2podcast.com, because you can find this and all our previous episodes right there, including that Strange Adventures one we were talking about earlier on. Absolutely, yep. Strange Adventures on Earth Prime, I think it was our sixth ever episode, a very, very early one that shows you how long we were seeding this particular issue of The Flash. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, go back and check that one out if you haven't, listeners. We'll probably post links to it through the week on Twitter and stuff anyway. Yes, very interesting. I mean... I think the biggest takeaway is we journeyed to yet another parallel Earth, mm-hmm. which was our own Earth. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, I can't lie. There was, there's was there been many times over the years when I've been hating work or having a terrible day and I just sort of thought, wouldn't it be great if some superheroes just vibrated through and popped up and I needed to help them on their adventure? Of course. It's the dream. This is a great little story. The Flash Fact of Fiction. Fantastic. Well, we are in a multiverse after all, so yes. After all, indeed, yes. So on that note... 
I've been Peter. I've been David. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Flash gestures towards the treadmill saying, Well, oops, that's you. <laughs> the flash gestures to I'm caught up in the moment.